And welcome back to another episode of Loss and Down, brought to you by Tabbies.com, the premier Delta 8 edible on the market, T-A-B-E-A-S-E.com. Make sure you use promo code FOOTBALL for 20% off that order, as well as free shipping. I'm Steve, he's Wally, he's David. No one gives a shit what me and David have to say. Wally, welcome back. Safe travels. How was the draft? Tell us some stories. All right, well, first of all, this is going to come off like the most bitter Raider fan in the world. And fair, because I am. But Kansas City was such an underwhelming draft experience. Whoa. I, it, they've done this so long now. You would think that they're improving each year. And for a team and for a city that's coming off a Super Bowl, I was really astonished with there were a lot of empty spaces. I'm sure that the draft did a great job of covering those up. They weren't very loud. They It, it just felt very underwhelming. I, my buddy and I were trying to rank them and think about it. We do it each year. And I think I'd only put the Chicago draft the first year they started traveling below it. And that's just because it was the first year. It just felt meh. Was there- and I don't know if it's because we've been doing this for so long now. The shine's like wearing off, but outside of the barbecue, I don't know what the appeal is of Kansas City. Wow. Okay. Like, well, do you do you think there were as many people there as there were at like in the, the Cleveland one? Or, um, I, I mean, like, wasn't the Tennessee one you went to like the biggest ever? So Nashville I won't even include that. Insane. But, so uh, well, there's three hundred and twelve thousand collectively throughout the days of the draft, something like that. So I guess yeah, where would that rank? I'm not even sure, but that that's of almost a, uh, a a misleading kind of number, just because that's like it you doubles. said, it's throughout the day for three days. It just means you're going in the gate. So I don't know at, at like the peak. I know Vegas had more. I know that Nashville had more. Cleveland's a bad example because they really got screwed because it was the COVID year, and yep. it just didn't God, have the same. I forgot same. about that. Yeah, that was the only reason I, I got on the stage. Only reason. I just looked it up. They drew only 160,000 over that, uh, what, three-day span. In Kansas City? Mm-mm, in Cleveland. Yeah, but again, that's kind of tough. Typically, with, typically the I had to COVID with that one. But I guess, is yeah. there, was there anything like the fluidity of going in or just the security or anything that stuck out to you that really pissed you off? Well, first of all, as a fat man, yes, you I'm have worried. to walk. An extra half a mile. The best way I can describe it is, imagine the draft is like right here in the middle. And if you're coming from down under, you had to walk past the draft to get in the draft and walk another like half mile back up to the stage. That's I felt really like I was annoying. doing wind sprints. Got your, yeah. You got your steps in though. I did. I did. For better or worse, I did. Uh, I mean, I will say this. Yeah, the Kansas City fans let the Raider fans hear it. They were good people. They're nice people. I had a good experience. It was just, again, I like if it wasn't for the fact that Cleveland has had like just a reputation of not winning championships and it gets like it gives the city as a whole a bad rep, Cleveland's 10 times the city Kansas City was to me. I went in there. I'm like, who would live here? I couldn't do it. Really? That bad, huh? I maybe I'm just a. I don't know, a city slicker compared to Kansas City standards, but I, I literally went into that city and was astonished on the reputation I felt like it has. I didn't see it. Well, how was the Royal Stadium? That was nice. Kauffman Stadium was nice. Crazy enough, I found out they might be tearing it down at some point. 
and moving into the city of Kansas City, which shocked me. But it was a $15 tour. Want to bet what the dump Arrowhead was? 60 bucks. Who's paying $60 to walk around a, a shitty 40-year-old stadium and, like, um, whatever. Yeah, so legendary. Yeah, who the hell would ever do that? And then I kept hearing everybody all week being like, we have the loudest fan base. No, Guinness Records was there, so you knew everybody had to be loud to get that point. If everybody in the league had that, we'd have louder stadiums. The Chiefs can go to hell. You don't have the loudest <laughs> fan base. You have the loudest recorded attendance one time uh maybe a couple times doesn't make doesn't mean that you're the loudest are you the best at robbing banks now because one guy did it well do you remember when we were growing up and you'd have those shitty like uh like classroom goals where it's like maybe our class we're, we're doing uh yeah setting like goals a food for kids drive. is really shitty i agree continue well, you, well but like what i mean is that the food yeah. drives and you would have like a motivated teacher basically talk about it all day we're gonna do this if we win where another teacher doesn't care and that class is doesn't like fall to it it's the same thing with like the guinness book of world records if they were at every stadium i can promise that team fans would be louder when they're recording than when they're not that's just such a stupid metric so dumb before we get into the nfl draft the reason why he went all the way to kansas city eat some nice barbecue we do have one one smidgen of NFL news that we want to get to here. Lamar Jackson got paid here. I want to say just a couple hours before the draft, the Ravens and the quarterback had inked a five-year, $260 million extension. That comes with $185 million guaranteed. If you're keeping track, good at math, that's 52 mil per year. That's going to exceed Jalen Hurts as the highest paid player in NFL history. A record that Jalen got to hold maybe five days. But Lamar, now you know you know where we're going here first. Lamar is sticking. What well, he is all the way through 2028, 2029. He's got six years, one year with the franchise, five extension. David, what is this looking like for your AFC North and those brownies in that division? Oh, yeah, we'll get to what they drafted, but don't forget about the, the signing of Odell Beckham as well. I I love it for the Ravens. $52 million a year for a guy who can't throw the football. Huge fan. I don't think anything changes in that offense. I mean, Zay Flowers has to come out and be a immediate Fine. number one. He's got to be immediate. Uh, like, it's got to be day one ready wide receiver one because Odell Beckham Jr. is just a name at this point. Like, we discussed it a month and a half ago. He's, or a month ago, God, it might have been a month and a half ago, but regardless. Feels like every week we're talking about it because some yeah. of these stories coming out. But regardless, he's not he's not the same guy. He'll be a good, he'll be a solid number two. Uh, you know, I can't even say he'll be a good veteran in the locker room because he's a psycho, but, oh, I, you know, I just, it's the same team with a much, much, much higher paid quarterback. Yeah, no kidding. And like, well, at least Zay has a year before he really needs to step in and mature to be that number one, like you said with Odell. But Walter? I am, as typically here, uh, a little bit different than you two because I think that this was a good deal for both Lamar and the Ravens. No, it wasn't maybe the deal that Lamar sought out for about six months ago when this all started coming to the surface. But with the way that the quarterback market continuously grows, the cap continues to go up, Within a few years, this is going to be a 5 to 10-ish ranked uh, contract in the league. And just because of that, I mean, the guy's still 26 years old. 
We still haven't seen the contract details yet, the specifics. There's a chance that the 52 AAV that we see maybe isn't necessarily indicative of what he'll actually get paid. But you add in Zay Flowers and OBJ, it's at least something we can say is it's the best offense he will have at any point in his career. So if he is going to grow, this is the year we should see it. And as it sits right now, if Lamar stays healthy, I think they're right there with the Bengals. Is probably co-favorites or right around there for the AFC North. The AFC together is just so such, gross. I mean, if just between take away the South, David's favorite division, there's nine teams battling for seven spots. Sorry, uh, no, for six spots technically, and eh, not even. So you got the division winners. Yeah, Tennessee or Jacksonville is going to win that. Browns, Ravens, Bengals. You got everyone in the East, everyone in the West. This is, I can't wait for... Except the Raiders. I cannot, yeah, except for the Raiders. And that's me just banking on Sean Payton getting it right there in Denver in the first year. I cannot wait for this schedule release in a week and a half. I know that we make a big deal of it every year because I think it's stupid that we sit around for four hours and watch schedule release. But at the same point, it's like the last domino to fall before you feel like, all right, the tunnel... I can see the light now. The season is only a few months away, but this is like the last bit to get there. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I have is the AFC is just a guy. Have you guys seen the quarterback list? Like, just looked at it. Uh, AFC, like, NFC. Is Lamar top 10 right now? No. In the AFC? No. Like, no. It's wild. And it's, uh, I mean, he probably, actually, I think he sits probably like eight or nine. Uh, but you're looking, actually, no, Watson sat eight. Two a nine, and I want to say Lamar Jackson was either seven or ten. But regardless, I'm looking at the list in in the NFC. It's like you have Jalen Hurts, and then you might as well jump off the Grand Canyon and find Dak Prescott and Kirk Cousins as battling for two and three, and that's a scary thought, right? Like that. That is, if the Eagles, you know, do what the Eagles do, that's a guaranteed division win and and one seed in the NFC, in my opinion. Jordan Love has an opportunity to be top five quarterback in the NFC. That is how bad and, and low all the quarterback plays in the NFC right now. Hell, Bryce Young has an opportunity to be a top five quarterback as well. Uh, there, there's a few that at least have that ceiling you feel like can be an improved. C.J. Stroud, we're, we're going to – oh, he's AFC, yeah. I guess. Derek Carr, you can throw in there yeah. too. I keep forgetting about the golden black. Yeah. But, I, I mean, it's, it helps the fact that you know that the NFC is wide open – because we'll get the Geno Smiths every now and then in the NFC with those massive, uh, I, I guess, I mean, it's a gap compared to the AFC, like you guys were saying. That's enough of the NFL news. Let's get into the NFL draft. What we really want to talk about, we're going to kind of run through some grades, some teams we thought did really well, maybe some in the middle, some that we just flat out thought that they really shit the bet on. Before we get into this, we wanted to remind you that this NFL Draft Recap is brought to you by Abby Turner Creative, your one-stop shop marketing agency specializing in high-end photography, fashion, branding, and more. Especially if you're our age, what feels like there's a college graduation, engagement, wedding pictures, baby pictures, you name it. Every single weekend they're happening. Abby Turner Creative is the only way to go. Check her out for yourself at Abby Turner Photo. That's A-B-B-E-Y. Or on her Instagram at Sawdad and Sapphire. Again, Abby Turner, Abby Turner, photo creative. You guys got it at this point. David, what's taking away here? We had 
arguably the craziest round one that I can remember um, as of recently. But all in all, the trades were insane. We saw trades day one. We saw upwards of 50 trades on day three, which was an NFL record. But let's, let's see who got it right, David. Who's the first team on your list um, that you really thought got it right? I mean, the Cardinals trading away from three, uh, giving the Texans the third spot so they could draft Will Anderson. Uh, they collected this year, well, a, a first, obviously, later in the round. Uh, what was it? The 12th overall pick. And then um, a second rounder and a first and a third next year, giving the Cardinals two firsts next year, a second next year, three thirds next year, two fourths, two fifths, and a seventh. A king's ransom of picks for a team that technically already has a quarterback. Um, and, I, you know, I think they committed highway robbery on the Texans because the only way, and I mean the only way that this plays out in the Texans' favor, is if both C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson Jr. are perennial, like, Pro Bowl talent players. Uh, C.J. Stroud has to be the quarterback of the future for them, for this to pan out. Otherwise, you wasted your second-round pick where you could have gotten Will Anderson Jr. if Will Anderson Jr. turns out to be a 12 to 15 sack a year guy, right? So both of them have to uh, turn into long-time talented starters for this to to be a fair trade, in my opinion, for the Texans. Me and Wally were talking about it off camera. This, the tech, no one's talking about how the Texans just fleeced themselves just to get this. There is a lot of, there's going to be a lot of question marks, a lot of eyes on Will Anderson. Wally, I want to ask you this as the quote unquote GM during a certain five minute time period over the last couple episodes of the Cardinals, we're talking about how much we're not liking Kyler Murray. It seems like, the Cardinals almost pulled a Philadelphia New Orleans Saints trade last year where all of a sudden they're going to be poised to be making some moves here. Do the, does this trade make it even more obvious that they're going to want to move on from Kyler next year with position of potentially drafting that next quarterback? Absolutely. I think that Monty Austin Fort made it very clear in this, and this is a flex point for both of these teams, but Arizona, to your point, it felt like this is the beginning of that rebuild we've been calling for in that they are going to try to move Kyler Murray. And all of a sudden you're going to see with the Kyler Murray move out there, if it happens, or even if it's before the draft next year, it's going to be a Cardinals team that has so many assets that it just senses that they're going to move up for Caleb Williams or Drake may in a year from now. But we'll Sticking see. with you, man. Wally, what's, one, what's the next team on your list? Um, obviously, we hit the Cardinals. That really stuck out to you, that kicked ass throughout the draft this weekend. So I think that for me, the, the biggest winner of the entire weekend is the Pittsburgh Steelers. They go into the draft with three critical needs, and with their first three picks in the draft, completely hit it out of the ballpark. You get a poor man's Cameron Hayward in the second round with uh, Keanu Benton from Wisconsin. You get Broderick Jones in the first round moving up in front of the Jets to get that last tier one tackle. And you could tell the Jets were scrambling after having to go Will McDonald. And then, of course, we're not even mentioning they get the legacy play in Joey Porter Jr. when they stay patient at the top of the second round. Shout out, Chase Claypool. You made all this possible. So and cool, though. The, it's so cool. I mean, but there's, this is a deep draft, too. <laughs> Maybe not to you, David. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, it's a deep draft, too, just because on day two, they bring in Herbig, another brother, a third set of brothers for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and Darnell Washington, even, who I'm not high on, but at the same point, he's a really unique piece at that stage of the draft that could be huge in the red zone. And I wonder if they're not only red zone, if they're going to use him primarily for blocking. That's a big body. I know like when you're looking at the combine stuff, people were losing their mind about how easy he was moving that sled, but it's not like his footwork and everything was crazy. There's going to be some obvious things he needs to work on, but a body like that in that offense to help with Pat Fairmuth, who had a great rookie year this past year, I really like what they did. And for the fact that they had a lineman kind of quote unquote fall to him, even though they went up to him, they got better. And it seems like, seems like Pittsburgh never really tries and they just like Najee Harris just falls to him. Joey Porter Jr. Just falls to him. They just have these players that end up looking like they'll be great matches fall to him. And we'll see Najee Harris is kind of, eh, we'll see going into year three. I was going to say, I, I love that Najee Harris fell to him. He's garbage. Uh, Two straight thousand yard seasons. It starts like he's oh, turning Trent the edge a little had bit. A thousand yard season. Miss me with that. Not two. Uh, Not two. You know, didn't Eddie Lacy have two thousand yard seasons? Yeah, but that's because he's a dog. Yeah, but Najee, Najee Harris Look didn't here. eat Eddie Lacy. Eddie Lacy can play. He was just fat. Look, well, Najee Harris can't play. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I Pittsburgh for me, third or fourth best draft wasn't my favorite. Um, I mentioned Arizona before this. I, I think I have them at two, but. The Eagles are are my draft winners for for obvious reasons. Um, I think I think everyone knows the Eagles had an A plus round one, um, but throughout the fucking Howie, yeah, I mean throughout the draft, he was doing what he was doing what everyone wishes they can go into the draft and do. It is sit there and pick best player available or move one spot up to make sure you get the the best player available in terms of value there um i just round one obviously jalen carter you know top three pick in the draft if he doesn't have off field issues um how he gets him at nine nolan smith widely considered a potential top 20 pick gets him at 30 he spent the rest of the weekend or, or the next two days like honestly drafting best player available and filling out depth and not to mention that crazy trade with Detroit for nothing right, for DeAndre right. Swift. And I just, I, it's, it's tough for me to watch because I hate that fan base so much, but I love that team also so much. And they, I mean, that's going to be such a fun team for such a long time. If Howie continues to build out the roster in the ways he has the last two years. It, don't overthink it in the draft. And, and it's so easy to say that, but Howie is like the blueprint for what I feel like you see these draft analysts clamor for every year, where you are selectively aggressive, you know when to stay put. And, I mean, I, I truly don't know how this draft could have been better. I know the jokes are out there about Georgia, but phenomenal. Howie Roseman is the best GM in football, and it's not oh, close. It's, it's nowhere close, and I love that there's reports coming out that the other GMs are getting upset about how much praise Howie Roseman is getting. Yes. It's like... What's that about? Like, do, do better. You won't get, you'll get your braced job. We're still living right. in that uh, old that old head. You know, you still got John Dorsey's out there doing horrific things in, in the draft war rooms. And, you know, he's mad that nobody's praising him. Yeah, exactly. But I think it's I think it's so clear and obvious to go off what David said. And obviously, Wally would echo it. Um, but just to not repeat ourselves, of course, the Eagles had the best draft. They 
killed it day one. They get they get a lineman in Tyler Steen day two, which this is a guy who can play all across Sneaky. all across the line. Um, I Jordan Jordan with the crazy last name is the guard that they lost this year, correct? No, or uh, you're talking about Isaac Samalo. Oh, yeah. Okay. Isaac, crazy last name. Um, Pittsburgh Steeler, by the way, another exactly. great move. Exactly. So off for season. them to be able to add depth to that, to not only bolster the offensive line, have rotation if need be, but now they're setting up for the future with a year removed from drafting Cam Jurgens, who you saw how how ecstatic Jason Kelsey was. He'll move over to center. Maybe oh, this yeah. guy will play a little bit of tackle. You know, I, I know if their tackles are locked up, but this is a Swiss a Swiss army knife you can use up until the inevitable of the rest of your great offensive line members uh, retiring. It was a fantastic draft. I, I have nothing to add other than this is the kind of, it's a reload draft. This is an Eagles team that somehow after all the pieces we thought they'd lose going into the off season, they look just as good on paper. Yeah, if not they, better. they even address some, um, some help on the defensive backs there too. I, I think a couple corners. Kelly Ringo. He was a guy that was a yeah. first-round pick until Marvin Harrison Jr. took his lunch money in the Sugar Bowl this and year. It, just what pisses me off is Philly didn't do anything special. They were just like, like David said, they're like, oh, yeah, Don't yeah, we moved up it. for nine. We moved up a spot to get Jalen Carter. Oh, Nolan Smith's here? Oh, okay. It's like you didn't – they they just sat back and watched everyone else run around with the, uh, like chickens with their head cut off, and they're just like, cool, I'm just going to kick it. Um, I'll, I mean, Nolan Smith almost – he could have gone at 10, and it would have been a decent pick. It's just crazy that I, – I mean, I know we keep saying it, but phenomenal job for the Eagles yet again. I'll stick it here with me. Um, I think the Chicago Bears, as much as it pains for me to say, I thought they had a really, really good mm -hmm. draft. I'm going to go with B+. Plus. I'm not going to go all the way to A because, yes, they did address uh, getting a tackle in – uh, University of Tennessee's Darnell Wright, which I think is great. Um, you have some veteran mm -hmm. leadership with Lucas Patrick. There's another guy in there um, that I'm forgetting that can play center, play guard. Um, so now you're kind of adding depth. I think that they could have addressed that a little bit more. But at the end of the day, seven of the next nine picks for Chicago was the defensive side of the ball. And I know what you're saying is, well, what about their offense? They've addressed a wide receiver. They got Chase Claypool, eh, but they got they really got DJ Moore. Yeah, you know, you're going to have Darnell Mooney coming back off that injury. They added another depth at running back, which after losing David Montgomery is great. think they could have addressed the offensive line, but the defense is that's what they need to focus on. Don't forget, yes, yes, Chicago is really bad, but they were also losing games putting 35 up on teams. Defense is what they need to address. I thought they did, they did great. Something else that I saw from Adam Rank on NFL Network, um, the RAS score, relatively athletic score, every single one of these players had an eight or an above. So Ryan Poles has a type, as Adam Rank likes to say. We'll see if it's going to work out because right now, the overall Chicago, I think, is having the best offseason right now. You saw with, like, David's Andrew Barry, it's a new style of thinking with these GMs with the RAS score. And there is typically a benchmark you have to hit or you typically don't make it. Eight and a half, I think, is the Browns. I think Ryan Poles is in that area too. But, Stephen, I'm happy that you were able to say, hey, like step back, the Bears had a good draft because this just feels like a GM in Ryan Poles that gets it. It was very responsible. It was no, I guess, shock picks, but what you felt like was good value throughout. And to your point, you bring in a bunch of guys, even on day two, guys like Noah Sewell, the brother of Panay Sewell, who's very pro-ready at linebacker. And the pick that I feel like no one's talking about is Rashawn Johnson. David's Longhorns down there. Everybody's talking about Bijan Robinson. If Johnson plays at another school last year, 
He's likely a top three running back in this class too, but instead he's playing with Bijan. Love the draft from Ryan Poles. I've got one more. We'll stick in the NFC North, and this is a point of contention between you and my Steven, so we're going to have to get it going because I loved what the Green Bay Packers did. I don't quite understand the frustration with the class from Goot just for the simple fact you get one of the true premier pass rushers in the class, a guy who has arguably the most elite upside at the edge rusher position. He could have been a top five pick if the board fell a little a little differently. And then you go and get two of the best tight ends in the draft class, a guy in Luke Montgomery who, had it been he stayed healthy, he would have been a first-round pick, very possibly the first tight end off the board. And then you fit, like go with Jaden Reed, who's another guy who has a really high ceiling that might have fell a little bit because of the production you saw this last year. But now, this is a Packers offense that's going to be able to run 12 personnel where you didn't see it much last year. It gives you a chance to actually open up the playbook a little more. And I can't find a weakness on this team. I know you wanted a receiver, but... I mean, this is now immediately three young wide receivers that you're giving Jordan Love with a great line and a really good running back tandem. I think it, it, it's awesome. It gave me shades of Ted Thompson doubling up at tight end. I, I seriously really like this. Cool. Ted Thompson's yeah. a bad reference. All right. All right. All right. Um, well, you know, I gotta, you I gotta hate, agree you with you. You can Wally hate Ted before Thompson, I, but that's very. You, before I let you go on a, a rant about why Wally's wrong. I have to agree with Wally here. I give I gave the Packers a B plus. Yes. Um, B plus is probably what I, think, I give it. I think day one and early day two, they did a great job of filling out the roster. I don't I don't know why the obsession I think it's because it hasn't happened in forever that the obsession with drafting a wide receiver in round one is there. But I frankly between Dobbs and Watson, you have two very, very talented young wide receivers already on the roster not to mention in a deep wide receiver draft the Packers selected three more wide receivers I like I, I just think they they played the draft well and I think they they did a similar like best player our guy available at the See, positions they were at and there's just so many there's just so much I want to unpack um based on so let's let's start with the first round pick like Lucas Van Ness I I don't think it's a bad pick but it's like what do we just go through? We don't have a number one receiver. It is so clear that it's what's needed in the offense. Look around the league. Oh, Lamar just got a number one receiver. Look at Baker's year when they got Odell for the first year. Look at Joe Burrow getting his, getting his wide receiver. Look at Tua getting his wide receiver. Look at all the look at Josh Allen when he got Stephon Diggs, right? So having that number one receiver is crucial, and we're so fixated on it, more or less myself. I haven't seen it in 20 years. We need a game-changing player on this offense because based on the history, we can get you defensive players. Joe Barry, you're not going to do anything with it. Now, granted, drafting a guy that's going to live out more than Joe Barry in Green Bay of the, than Lucas Van, or Lucas Van Ness will. And, yeah, but I don't think at that specific spot, with the words um, Wally said I want to address next, which is going to cover a lot of it, is the way the board was falling – the way the board was falling for Ness, I wouldn't. You don't necessarily need to take him there. Give me a JSN. I want somebody who is a freak athlete on that on that side of the ball because we don't necessarily need that type of edge rusher. Is he gonna? If he pans out and he's great, awesome. More power to him because I think JSN is gonna. I think they're both gonna pan out great. 
I just want a receiver to set up this offense so there's no excuse for Jordan Love, who Brian Gunacus is having second thoughts on picking up his fifth-year option. But then all of a sudden, it's either you work now for Jordan or we're set up for the next guy. We're going to go on to round two. Yes, they got the tight ends and wide receivers. I love it. You're drafting, arguably, the way the board is falling, you're drafting third to four to fifth round talent in the second round after drafting back. Like, it is wild to me. You're you're trading back to get, to get players that are clearly not on the fucking radar of anybody else. I mean, come on. We have, we're getting Tucker Craft in the third round. When that dude hasn't been a blip on anyone's radar. We saw how far Darnell Washington was falling. We saw our fellow... That's a testament to Darnell Washington, though. Yeah, there's reports coming out that there are some knee swelling that a lot of the um, NFL GMs and coaches were kind of concerned about. But at the same time, it's I, I just want you to be take a risk and be aggressive. This is your time to do it. And based off the track record of Gudenkoos, great job. You hit on day you hit on day one picks. I'm happy. 2018, 19, and 2020, I think he might have one player on the roster post day one that's still on the roster. Even 2021, we're missing a couple players. Dude is inept at drafting in round three. Every single round three draft that he has is off the team. And if not, season-ending injury, not productive at all. My argument is I, I, do, I like the draft overall, but the way that he was drafting the positions at that particular spot, I just don't like it. The talent there, you could be pushed back and arguably still get the same players. You push back from 42. I, I would have rather them kept 42 instead of trading into Detroit to get Brian Branch, a safety, a position that they did not address that we very much need in the defense. You just skipped on, like, take some risks. But that goes into drafting for need versus best player available too, and that's where there's a philosophical difference. I mean, this is... At that point, is Lucas Musgrave really the best player available? I mean, you saw the tight end run coming, and I'm telling you, Montgomery had first-round pop until his injuries this Musgrave. year. And Musgrave, sorry. I, I keep doing Montgomery because of David Montgomery. Yeah. I was writing about him earlier. But no, I first of all, I do agree with you on Joe Barry. And I, I think that was an indictment of keeping him around. I am not disagreeing with that at all. But what I will say is that this is a defense last year that had 34 sacks, that only had two players above five sacks on the team collectively. You have to have a pass rush in modern NFL. And Lucas Van Ness is a guy... That can jump in day one. He can play inside when you need to. He is a freak athlete, and the ceiling feels very high. Playing him opposite of Rashawn Gary a lot could be a blast, and I feel like this is a ringing endorsement from the team, too, that what we saw in the last month of the year from Kristen Watson wasn't just a blip, that that is who he is, and he can be but a we're one. Gonna, they're going to get film. That's the thing. They're going to have film on But there's now. film on everybody that plays, and he played exceptional the end of the year. There's film on Justin Jefferson. Romeo 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 Justin Jefferson there's, to Christian Watson right now? There's film on... No, but if he's good and he improves, he can be good. Christian borderline top 10 receiver the last month and a half of the year last month and a half not the full season we saw how it started I'm i just agree saying, but... I'm, i think that he can be good but let's not what's not put him here like he can be that guy he can be a number Could one he... that is what they're betting on with jordan okay, love but let's but that's a jordan yeah, love problem. they're betting on they're betting uh, who 
Okay, yeah, that's a Jordan Love problem, 100%. You're, what you're saying is, is I want to buy a Ferrari in the first round of the draft so that my 15-year-old can't-drive nephew can try and take it for a spin around the block. Like, if you don't believe in Jordan Love to make the talent on the roster better, then you should be drafting defense because there's nothing that can heal a rookie, or I shouldn't say a rookie quarterback, a young quarterback faster than a defense that can that can cover up his mistakes and get him back on if the field If we're not going to have the offense to do it, we're not going to have the pop. Again, Jordan Love's going to start the season off hot. Then people are going to get film on it. Oh, but they have film on Peyton Manning. I don't give a shit if they have film but on Peyton right. Manning. But that's right. You say it's about stupid things. There's going to be film on starters. That's how football works. People I see know, them. But people get cu- – the NFL catches up to you. That's the argument I'm making. I don't care if you're going to have all these guys, all the defense. The NFL catches up to you on your offense. You're not going to be able to put up points. doesn't matter if you have an awesome defense. The whole point of if this I- year is to figure out if Jordan Love can be the starter in Green Bay. He has an offense around him to figure that out. I, I disagree. I don't think that he has an offense around him. I, I think mean, he has his Aaron line's Jones top five, him. right? And it's got to be a top five running back tandem. This can't be worse than like 15 to 20th in wide receivers. And now you have two young tight ends in a position that is constantly dependent on young turnover in the NFL. Like I, I just, <sighs> it's, we're taking, we're taking risk on a FBS tight end. Yes. Tucker craft. Yes, he had great stats a year. The dude came up with 350-yard year over nine games. Musgrave missed injuries. And, yes, I know JSN has had his fair share of injuries going into it, so you can't make that argument. I've watched JSN hit Kraft's yearly total in a singular game. Okay, but that that also was against a terrible Utah defense. Tight end versus receiver, too. You're not you're not drafting Travis Kelsey. David and Joke David and Joke who's like the sixth best tight end in football. He only put up, I don't know, three hundred yards in his second to last season two, in college, his uh, last season what, in college. Or, uh, I was gonna say JSN had the number two pick in the draft throwing it to him. Yeah, I, I like tight ends I'm not reading into yards. I'm reading into production. Reading into what did he do on his targets. He played for an FBS school. I'm tired of just Green Bay being like, we got to find these local kids that never want to leave the city of Green Bay because this is way better than what South Dakota's looking like. So it's just going to draft him. See, I think that coming out of this draft, there's real reason to believe if I'm a Packer fan, if Jordan Love even lives up to a, a competent quarterback level, this is a team that can float around with the NFC North all year long. I don't. Th- I think they're flirting with the wild card, if anything. But I mean, Detroit made too many good steps. I think Chicago, Chicago made too many good steps and Michigan or Michigan, Minnesota will just be fluttering around. So right now, I know this is way out. A lot of things can change. Where does this Packer team rank in the NFC North to you? In the NFC, I'd probably put it in third. Okay. So would it go probably like Detroit or Minnesota? Which one? Uh, No, I, I, yeah. I'd probably put them third, third or fourth. I see. I'm I th- putting them at like think, 2A, 2B Minnesota, with Minnesota. No, I think it's, they didn't get as better as uh, as Chicago did, but I still don't think that them getting Minnesota not getting any like they're still Minnesota still above them regardless of how good of a draft Green Bay had just because they're they're just more put together. They got a better receiver. We'll see what Dalvin Cook ends up. They have more competent quarterback play, which you never thought you'd hear when comparing it to Kirk Cousins. We might have to do like a cheese bet of some sort for the year where it comes on the wins, where like the loser has to eat like a certain kind of like a like an amount of cheese or something. There's gotta be a Packer feel 
But I, I'm high on this team. I, I really like I this just roster. Also, Minnesota is going to be the fourth team in the division. I'm confident in saying that. I don't care how good the offense is. So you're is. selling their all defense, your Minnesota mm, stock now. 100%. And, and the reason being, their whole defense walked out the door. Defense. And, oh, by the way, it might as well be us three out there on, on defense again. It's a and tight division, man. They only had two defensive picks in the draft. They they drafted two cornerbacks, I think, and see, that's I it. Can see, and all four of these teams can be within two wins of each other. They, I feel like it's very even. You're not wrong. There's a lot of varying things. Like, yeah, I agree. If like whoever wins their division matchups is going to come out of this division, I think. I agree. I think this honestly, this kind of reminds me of the NFC East of old. Kind if of. We're being honest, it actually like looks three, a little bit more entertaining. Like the, the the. Yeah, that's true. And we're not being force fed yeah, Sunday night like, football games every like, week. Yeah. Like the seven, it's not going to be the seven and, and ten team that makes the playoffs. It's just going to be the team that wins the most divisional games and ends up with like ten or eleven wins, and it's going to be an entertaining division, I think. Well, you guys will have to let us know what you think about that. We're obviously very different on the Packers' thoughts right now, so we'd love to hear your guys's feedback. I just want, I just want good acoustic aggressive. This is your time to be aggressive, make a name for yourself. That's all I got to say. Well, but while we have- Steven's disappointed, while like can we can we transition into the biggest disappointments no. of the draft? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, this is an interesting way to get into it because I feel like this is a fun transition point because I didn't like necessarily what the team did, but like an individual winner has to be Sam Howell because Washington doesn't even draft a wide receiver. And they're sticking to their word, and they're going to go in with Sam Howell as their starting quarterback next year. I, like, I can't believe it. Doesn't that t- feel like a team like Arizona that is a very obvious candidate to move up next year for one of the top Yeah, but at least Arizona has the capital to do so. Or they might just be so bad that they're going to be able to compete against Washington for getting that pick. But, yeah, Washington— True. Did- it might be literally Washington with, like, terrible record— and then Arizona trying to jump. Yeah, so it's good. Or I guess not even terrible. You just got to wait for Houston to just really um, shit the bed because that's the pick that they're going to have next year. So they can have – Arizona can have an opportunity to have two top five picks. God. And it, we wouldn't be as hard on them as we're going to be on Houston because I think this podcast is a lot lower than the public narrative and it, around the Houston Texans draft. And it's really funny. Nick uh, Nick Casario, Nick – Casseroli, yeah. Nick Agabagul. Um, there's a lot of talk about him potentially stepping off or stepping out and leaving the organization. I bet the fans are really wanting him. <laughs> I bet people are really looking to get him out after after this draft. Dude. Ah, uh, yes, the John Dorsey move. I, I love a good John Dorsey move. You trade away the exactly. team's entire future and then this you get fired early. We're, we're glossing over the fact that he picked Stingley over, uh, over Sauce Gardner, too. That was, well, yeah, and- that was just... Did you hear his quote? That one's a forever. That one's on your resume forever. He he had a quote come out before the draft last week, and it came off so desperate to me, where it was something to the effect of, this won't be my last draft in Houston. If you have to come out and tell people that I'll be around, that's a problem. He's on his third head coach. (laughs) Exactly. And, and like, I don't know how this Houston roster, even after these moves— is better than six or seven wins, especially in a loaded AFC. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that because I think the Texans did what they did because I think the ownership wanted Will Anderson and 
not CJ Stroud. And I think when they took CJ Stroud, ownership was like, okay, now go get Will Anderson or or we're going to have issues. Whenever you, you hear those rumors too, that ownership is putting their foot in where they don't deserve or don't, not even no don't deserve, but shouldn't be. There's so much dysfunction in that Houston locker room right now. And instead of having the King's ransom that Arizona has, they have one pick in each round next year with a roster that's still light years away from being a, a real contender. How about though, Oh, an obvious loser that, and I'm not even going to call it a loser, but the belief around the league is that Detroit, on day one, made a couple head-scratching <laughs> choices, and therefore their draft as a whole graded poorly. Where are we at on Detroit and what they did this weekend? I got a lot here. Uh, <laughs> save some for me. So Yeah, I was going to say, we, we all so, got some Lions talk here. Lions I know, I, I will save it as much as I can, right? But... I was so excited. I mean, everyone fucking knows how excited I was for the Lions going into this draft. And they were in a phenomenal position to build upon a hot streak coming off of last year and get tried and true starters on day one of the draft. And they went out and they drafted two potential day two guys who might be tried and true starters at the end of the day, but guys who were between the 30th and 50th best player available in a majority of everyone's rankings, right? And in, in collectively, not neither of them were higher than like 35. And so I have a tough time with it because again, those players might end up being great, but you could have continued to trade down, collect assets, even more assets to build on. Even if it's day two assets, you could have traded down, and you could have still gotten those guys. And I understand that Gibbs is by far and away the best receiving back uh, in this draft. He's the second best overall. Um, you know, Alvin Kamara comps left and right. 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 Like, I understand that. And I understand that Campbell was a, a high production linebacker in college. But you just drafted two the two least valuable positions that you didn't need. Like, you don't, you didn't need to upgrade at those positions. You needed to upgrade elsewhere. And I had the Lions graded at like CC minus after day one. They kind of recovered the rest. That was a you know, generous day, grade too. Yeah, I, they recovered for me. Day, I, I respect going to get your guys. I just, I have a hard time with the value picks, right? But day two and three, they recovered for me. Um, I, I thought Hendon Hooker was a great pick. You got golf for two more years. You get the project guy. Maybe he's that. Good value, maybe, too, yeah, where they it, got him. Right, good value. And in two years, maybe he's the guy. Maybe he's not. You draft another quarterback when golf's gone. Uh, I just, the overreaching, and they did it a couple times on day two, but, like, the overreaching and the clear overreaching in day one, I couldn't go higher than a B for them. I, it was just, they are my biggest disappointment because they had the easiest path to success and building a team in this draft, and they didn't take it. Steven, did, I was going to say, you were very hard on the Packers. The Lions were, I feel like, the, the biggest loser in the media's eyes. Are you as kind of disappointed as everybody else is? I was, too. And kind of like the point that David's making with the reaching, that's just how I felt about Green Bay. And, like, it must be an NFC North thing. I don't know this year. But for... For how aggressive Detroit was last year for them to trade back to get 
what people are saying is, you know, before uh, before his injury, I believe, is like, this is the guy before Bijan Robinson. You don't get Bijan at six and you trade back to get this guy. Now, granted, it's going to be great point. That's a great It's going to be good. I'm sure you got some capital. I'm not too, too sure about what the compensation swap was for them to move back and whoever to move up. But why would you not go look at a Bijan? Of course, we were all texting on the side. Um, I know, uh, shout out to Brock, shout out to Butts, and we were. Right when we saw that, we're like, obviously, DeAndre Swift's gone. Ends up getting traded day two to the Philadelphia Eagles. But we were talking day of. You you bring in you bring in the running back from Bama after signing David Montgomery. Craig uh, Craig Reynolds having a solid year. The only reason I know that name is because of hard knocks. But um, people like that, and I, we know DeAndre Swift had some question marks going into it. Um, maybe he wasn't living up to that hype, and that's the best scenario. But then you turn around and get a linebacker after inking a three year deal with Alex Alex Alazone. I want to say his name is and Marco uh, Marcus Rodriguez having an awesome rookie year. It doesn't make sense. It's it's such a missed opportunity for Detroit where they could really say that I think if they had a great day one, our conversations about who we think are winning the North are wildly different. And this is the, this is why I'm getting, I, oh, I, go ahead. I, I'm sorry to interrupt Wally, but I just, to what you just said, they really should have gone cornerback with 12. They really well, should have gone cornerback with 12. Right. And then they should have, then you can go get Gibbs in uh with your second first round pick and it's less of a reach and then you could probably still get campbell in the second round with your second round pick the one thing i will say and then wally i'll i'll you know give it to you uh i thought the brian branch pick uh, i think that's his name the safety out of alabama i thought that was a super high value pick where they got him and I think he starts and makes an immediate impact for them. And I loved that pick specifically. Yeah, I thought they start up, started off day two. And one thing before I wanted to give it to you, Wally, because I did remember one thing and now I cannot for the life of me. So take her away and hopefully he comes back. <laughs> well, I was just going to tell you that trade that we were referring to when they moved from 6 to 11, instead of taking Bijan, they gave number 6 and number 81 up. In return, got number 12, 34, and 168. So that did turn into Sam Laporta on top of Jameer Gibbs. I know a lot of people, and myself included, I was really high on Laporta. I just didn't think he'd go that high. He went behind or ahead of Michael Mayer, who's the second tight end go. So that's another reach. Steven, I see you remember. Before you forget, that's what exactly is That's exactly what it was. You you get it at the Iowa tight end. After skipping on, uh, you got Michael Mayer. Obviously, Kincaid was gone, but, you know, Based off your praise as well, a, a Luke Musgrave, a, a Tucker Craft. Agreed, and, uh, The yeah. kid out of ODU tube, which I think that was the one originally a few weeks ago I was talking about. I saw an NFL. But, yeah, again, um, that's where it sucks for, you know, at least someone like me making the argument. We don't know what the schematic fits are. We know what the offense are, but we don't know what exactly their mindset is of why they're picking that player. So that's why it's aggravating from this seat. But passing on Michael Mayer after all the praise that this kid got, um, you could – I'm just sorry, bud. I'm just sorry. But I know you're not. Well, Laporta's, I was going to say, Laporta's more of like the receiver. So maybe they're going for that angle. big and physical too, which is. He is. Which is the Lions. That's that locker room MO right now. We're going to beat you into a pulp. and, And that's exactly what he fits. Well, and that's why I'm less critical on Detroit's draft than I felt like a lot were because these picks were like Dan Campbell. This was the Detroit Lions that they're becoming. And if you rearrange some of these picks, the public perception of the draft is a lot different. If it ended up being 
like you you take Hendon Hooker in in the 34 pick. You move Sam Laporta down, like things like that. Brian Branch high, maybe he's 18th. You move Jack Campbell back. I mean, at the end of the day, Jameer Gibbs and Jack Campbell. I know we hate drafting running backs and linebackers in the first round, but we can say that they're going to be good players. And the Detroit Lions are better today than they were a week ago. So for that, it's a lot harder for me to just say home run failure that everybody wants to scream Detroit is. So what did you, and I know we kind of talked about it on the side. Was there ever a thought that maybe then going to 12, that they were going to get a receiver based on the suspension of Jamison Williams, but really maybe trying to bulk up that receiver. Um, something that even though they had a great offense, they, sh- they kind of struggled with once the departure of TJ. I mean, you got to see the Seahawks do a very similar thing and say, we're going to take JSN and have either the best or second best wide receiver trio in football. And I could have, I guess, seen that. But going into almost like another one of these losers, that's what Jacksonville did with Anton Harrison because they were worried about Cam Robinson's suspension. At the end of the day, now with 17 games, a six-game suspension is nothing. And that's the same thing with Jamison Williams. You can survive for six weeks. I didn't like the the Jaguars basically panicking and saying, oh my God, we have to do this right here when this is a team that their Achilles heel last year was defense. And they didn't take a defensive player in their first, second, or third round. Or fourth. Trent Baalke is back. Fourth round was when they first took a defensive player. I was going to say, the first two days were were nothing. To your point, Jamison Williams, the Lions survived without him. For nearly the whole season, he has one year. catch. And, he has and, one catch. Yeah, yeah and uh, I'm I'm with you. I I the Jaguars are kind of like a, a C grade for me as well. I I you know they did some things, but at the same time, I didn't see. I just don't see how they got tremendously better to overcome because you have to get. Are they better now? Right, and they're not. Right, but like to for the Jaguars, they have to get like three steps forward to to actually be a competitor in the AFC right now, in my opinion. And I know they went on a fun run in the playoffs, but if we're being honest with each other, they're not going to beat the Chiefs. They're not going to beat the Bills. They're just not, like, they're not in a, they're not a contender. And they needed to take legitimate steps forward to be one, and their drafts said that they kind of weren't really, you know, in that position. We didn't, we didn't really touch on it, and I know it's on here, but Seattle had a killer, killer draft. I know day one, they you know, day one JSN, I know they drafted another cornerback, and they're adding to that defense. So uh, before we got too sidetracked, I want to bring that up. But my next I'm one. I'm happy you did. This has to be the worst draft, the New England Patriots. I like the Christian Gonzalez pick. I like the cornerback. We know what Bill Bell is going to be able to do with that cornerback, make him the new face uh, for the two, three, two to three-year window before they trade him out um, of that of that Patriots defense. But they don't spend a pick on an offensive skilled player until round six, which is two full rounds after picking a kicker and one full round before picking a punter. Followed with a wide receiver, got a couple guards filled in there. That's a- it's wild. That's the Bill Belichick way, though. Think about it. Every time Bill Belichick has drafted high on a offensive skill position, it is flatlined. It has been terrible. He gets Except his offensive Gronk. skill positions. He except for Gronk. Gronk yeah. was like a fourth rounder, wasn't he? A third nah, rounder? No, I think he was. He was either late day one or early day. He was, day. He was he early was day two. I don't think he was a first rounder. I don't think okay. he was a first rounder. 
I'll pull up while you're going. You're giving your point. I, I, I'm pretty sure Gronk was not a first-rounder. Uh, but I'm simply saying Bill Belichick gets his offensive skill positions from scouting other NFL teams who don't like who don't see value in certain players, and then he goes and he forms like a, a above-average offense with with players that aren't super flashy most times. Yeah, most that's times. That's different. So you don't have Tom Brady. You need to start adjusting. He's just not. Right, but Bill Belichick has never drafted well at sk- offensive skill positions. I like Gronk, the tight end class. Uh, you know, with uh, God, they had Ben Watson, they got Gronk, and they got uh, you know the serial killer. Uh, but uh, <laughs> that was like maybe the only draft I've ever seen Bill Belichick put together offensive talent, and i just i'm not shocked by what they did they drafted defense he does that well he moved they drafted trenches he does that well like he traded up for a kicker uh, in the fourth oh you can't write that stuff and we can if he turns out to be goskowski 2.0 are we going to be criticizing it again we're only going to well, criticize here, it if it fails we're also just like operating under the assumption that everybody's going to be around robert Kraft has been making little kind of comments in the media that he's not only unhappy with the way the team's performing he's unhappy with the direction the coaching staff has gone and that is a very scary thing for bill who has never had to worry about his job in new england and now coming off one of the worst unmitigated disasters of an offense we've seen where it was a public circus they didn't get better on offense they've already soured on on mac jones like publicly i mean he was the biggest loser of this entire draft to me. I, I just, I don't know how this Patriots team is better than a seven or eight win team again. And if that's the case, there's a real world scenario. Bill Belichick is not in new England after next year. That's a, that's, that's a chance. A, that's a wild I thing to think of Bill O'Brien back at the head coaching. It's scary. Realm? Look how old we are. Let's how talk about those who shouldn't be, who absolutely should not be a GM next year, and it's the Atlanta Falcons GM and Terry Fontenot, or whatever his name is. <laughs> Terry Fontenot. He doesn't deserve the Fontenot, whatever his name is. Uh, Arthur Arthur Smith also probably in his last year if everything goes how I think it's going to go. Before you get into uh, it, did you see the videos of Arthur Smith making the phone calls to the draftees? Oh, I haven't seen much because I was no. there. Hey, Wally, Arthur Smith. Yeah, we're going to draft you. Yep. Uh huh. Yeah. Let's get to work. All right. Here's Arthur Blank. That's so. Oh, oh, God. Dude, I'm gonna have to look this those a, up. A even even more of a reason. People. It's oh yeah, it's life changing. They're all gonna go from being star offensive players to being on the worst team in football. But, yeah, making millions uh, of dollars. Our life sucks. Over drafting <laughs> Bijan by probably ten spots after having the league's most prolific rushing offense is a move it's a move i mean <laughs> the, the falcons uh, they have so many holes everywhere but rushing like I, I i don't i can't get behind that pick and you know oh by the way not only did you make that pick instead of trading down and still taking him you're now paying him the fourth highest guarantees in football for running more than next I like yeah like holy shit! If he if he is not Nick Chubb or Derrick Henry, that is a fail. That is a colossal, colossal failure. That's one you don't recover from. That is simply one that you get fired for if he ends up not having twelve hundred yards rushing this year 
or more. Yeah. All right. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I mean, I was talking to Evan. He, Evan Desker, ATL boy. He was not pleased with the pick. Um, I mean, we were basically echoing what David said. You address the one need that you that you don't need. You don't need whatsoever, and it's it's upsetting. Get the offensive line. Get some defense. You you had a thousand plus yard rookie last year. Why are you getting this guy? And while I take it over, I have a fun stat I want to get in there. So while I take over, oh no, I actually want to hear the stat first. I'll give my two cents after. I gotta find it again. No, you're good. Uh, well, all right. I'm going to do what I do best, and I'm going to play devil's advocate here. So Atlanta now, coming off of what was already a top-five running offense that kept them in the the playoff race all season, you add someone who can be in that— Like, when he's coming out, he's about as hype as the Saquons of the world, the Zeeks of the world. Hell, you can go back. He's probably up there with uh, Adrian Peterson and in the bad side— Darren McFadden, too. So there is, uh, I guess, a risk here. But what I will say is that you're probably going to see whether it be Tyler Algier or Cordero Patterson moved. So you might get assets coming back that way. You do bring in Matthew Matthew Bergeron, who's going to slide in as a guard on day one. And I love their secondary right now because you do bring in Jesse Bates. You have A.J. Terrell, and now he's going to have Jeff Okuda in a new home Mike Hughes, and Clark Phillips, the Utah corner that fell a lot farther than I saw, too. So this is a team, especially with all these veterans they've added, I think Arthur Smith's set. I think this is a, right now, right there with New Orleans is my favorite in the South. and I think they could win nine or ten games. I Look, the only reason I didn't give the Falcons an F grade for the draft is because I do think they got value on day two. I, I think they got good value on day two with Harrison Bergeron, even day three, the first pick with Phillips, to your point. Mm-hmm. I just, it's not, to me, you are, you're not filling the desperation needs you have on the D line, the O line, like questionables, questions at quarterback. Great. We'll give Ritter a year. I'm fine with that you know, receiver, you could have gone another receiver in a deep receiver draft. I, I just, there are a lot of holes that you just didn't need to overdraft a running back in. And Wally, again, I'm fine with them taking Bijan trade down six picks, trade down seven picks. You still get him. Well, I mean, the Lions showed that obviously at 12, they were going running back. You wouldn't have got him if you traded down six picks. And I don't think the Lions would have taken him. And well, I'm I'm with you for the record about not drafting running backs in the first round. But if we are so high on saying best player available, the one thing I'll say for Atlanta is that Bijan was the top player on a lot of people's boards overall. They drafted if they're going best player available, they drafted best player available. I I understand. Look, I love Bijan. Like hook him horns. I do. I love Bijan, but he gives me shades of Leonard Fournette. And Leonard Fournette, you didn't talk about him. You didn't talk about him till the second half of the season. And then all of a sudden, come draft time, you were talking about him like he was the next Adrian Peterson. And we overhyped the shit out of a guy we didn't talk about until the last four or five games of the season as a potential top five pick, top ten pick. I Those kind of guys give me 
they give me stomach aches to talk about. And I love, B again, love Texas, love Bijan. But when we don't talk about somebody as a top prospect until we reach the latter half of the year, it gives me shades of, of overdrafting and shades of Leonard Fournette, who's a good player, but he's not even on a roster right now. Like we... They're we, different when they were coming out. That The hype is a lot different. I, Leonard Fournette I just, was hyped. Bijan is in the stratosphere above. You that might be true, but all I'm saying is 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 when we were talking about players like Derrick Henry and players like Adrian Peterson, we were talking about them since day one they stepped on the field in college. I follow Texas and Bijan Robinson wasn't even on our like most people's radar until halfway through the season. I don't agree with that. I think Bijan was the number one like running back coming into this last year. But Steven, let's hear your point first of all and then we'll move on, but we'll have to talk more about this in the future because I think Bijan's going to have a monster rookie year. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Great player. He's going to have an awesome year, but there's just so like there's just so much more that you can unpack. They're top three in every rushing category, basically. And then you and then you address him. Um, I I just think I think overall they could have been better. This offense can be very dangerous, and I also think the pick kind of shows that they don't trust Ritter, like you were saying. They're they're going to be like, you know what? Worst case scenario, we're in the same position next year. Maybe then we can move up and be a little bit more aggressive. But at the same time, they have that leeway to make an aggressive pick like this uh, because of the position that the division is in itself, right? They were competitive in there when the division was arguably better last year. Maybe we want to go that far. Uh, we we know like all around the quarterback play is going to be a little bit better this year within the division. It's going to be more competitive, but I don't know. I know we're, last week we were kind of talking about um, my, Quentin my Quentin Johnston pick to the Chargers, right? It's like, why not address another need? It's like they're really kind of leaning into making their strong the strongest and worrying about their weak yeah. link later. It's not the way to go, especially in a prove-it year for Arthur Smith. What was your fun stat? I'm kind of like itching that to hear it, it right now. It was like literally going to be top three in like okay. RP, RPC, RPA, whatever the – all like they literally were top three in everything and they drafted the best running back like – that's that's not how that works. I I know that we're we'll be done on on Bijan after this. I swear. But since you guys are a little lower on the idea than than I am, what I'd ask you is what does he have to do to make this pick work? To in your opinion, like it was a successful pick. I retract. What is it going to take? Offensive rookie of the year and uh, like offensive rookie of the year, and minimum. they have to be in the playoff contention minimum. Like okay. I, for that to work out, otherwise you overdrafted and you didn't make your team better. Like they have to be in a in a playoff position, and he has to have panned out, in my opinion. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would. That uh, give me a couple steps above Saquon without the injuries. That's kind of that first year that you're looking for. I don't even really disagree. I just, I guess, I'm just expecting. Like I'm betting on thirteen hundred. I'm not plus in a rushing off. I'm not saying he won't. I just the, yeah, yeah. The Falcons, I, I get what you're saying. The I'm Falcons just saying that... simply overdrafted a position they didn't need, and sure, it's going to be fun to watch them in that offense. But I don't think it adds wins to their win column. I mean, the, all I'll say is Atlanta's skill positions all of a sudden are gross. If Desmond Ritter is going to have a real shot to succeed in this league this year, he can show it. The offensive line's finally at least functional enough with those skill positions. We need to see it, Desmond Ritter. God, dude, this just imagine if they just got another tackle and it's just like, man, this actually might be 
you can you you would give a little bit more trust to Desmond Ritter. Yeah, it's going to open up the offense a lot. That's why everyone was really high on uh, Bijan end up going to the Eagles. Like they're going to make Jalen's life a heck of a whole lot easier. But dude, I they screwed the pooch. Steven, did you hear that? Huh? I, Wally, I, what? It's a did, I, do you hear you, that? Oh my god! It's nine one one rapid fire. <laughs> and we got a really quick one for you guys today. Let's start with the simple ones. Chase Young and Patrick yeah, Queen. Let's not go on the last one laughing. Yeah, yeah, good point, good point. Button it up. But Chase Young and Patrick Queen are not getting their fifth-year option picked up while Jerry Judy does. This just has to be a way for the Broncos to figure out how to move Jerry Judy, correct? 100% yeah. a, a way to move Jerry Judy uh, more easily. Uh, shocked by the Chase Young thing, but I still don't. I, the only way the Washington trades him is if they get a significant amount of draft capital to make it worthy. Because then, then you can convince me on this year's draft that they're kind of putting them in a position, putting themselves in a position to be like Arizona was this year. True. Um, but uh, trading trading a young defensive end that's very very good when healthy is would be a really stupid move so I, I just don't see it i think that maybe they're they're trying to get a year and then if he plays healthy and he plays well they'll give him as much money as he wants what i'm seeing here with the chase young is we're gonna take the risk you either play really great and we're gonna have a lot of a lot of people clamoring about you coming to calling us for trades and we can get some capital going into next season because we know we're not going to be a competitive team even in the nfc we're going to have a top five top ten pick Maybe we can get a little bit more for Patrick Queen. Kind of makes sense after Roquan getting um, getting tied up on on top of Lamar Jackson, bringing in Odell. There's not going to be money floating around, so Pat Queen might be a free agent here at the end of it. Jerry Judy, yeah, they drafted a wide receiver here in Denver. Um, there's been so much so much talk of him leaving. Don't be surprised if he's that week eight guy heading out the door. We had gut wrenching news that happened yesterday. We heard that Shaq Barrett's two year old daughter Araya passed away, drowned in a pool at their home. We just wanted to pass our condolences and our thoughts to his family and, and that entire community. But a happier news to end it. I This is impromptu right now, so you guys don't have this. But I'm sure you guys probably saw on very rarely does a day three pick move the emotional needle for you. But the Dallas Cowboys had Deuce Vaughn's father who is a scout in the Cowboys organization, had the opportunity to call and tell his son that he was drafted by his old man's football team. Unbelievably cool. If you guys haven't seen it, go check out the video. Makes you like well up just thinking oh, about yeah. it. Oh yeah, well you mix that with the Joey Porter Jr. going to going to Pittsburgh. I was mm -hmm. in my I was in my fields all weekend. This week it's drafted, baby. It's the best. Best time of year. I love it to death. With that, it's going to bring us to an end of another episode of Loss of Down. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to our Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Loss of Down. And make sure to retweet us on our Twitter, down underscore loss. Shout out to our sponsors, Tabbies, as well as Abby Turner Creative. Huge shout out. Happy belated birthday to our guy, Kyle Butson. Had a uh, had a big birthday here this past Sunday, so I want to give a shout out to him. Boys, Hell yeah. any parting news? Any parting? Yeah, any parting news? Detroit before the draft next year is going to be electric. I'm actually really excited for that. That's close enough to some of you listeners. It's worth the drive. If you've never been, maybe it's something to consider. 
Otherwise, interviews are coming. Pay attention to that. We're going to have some of our friends on. Hopefully get some people uh, with a little bit more pool. It'll be a lot of fun. But beyond that, guys, that's all I have. David, what about you? Uh, we're going to end with a hot take. Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski are now on the hot seat after that shitty draft. All right. So I'm about to have to fight you the same way I had to fight Steven on the Browns. You know what I need to bring up? They drafted a fourth-round quarterback. No one ever talked about that. Well, I'll give you like nine see, teams I don't, did I don't that. Care. I, I don't I care don't, that they drafted oh a God. quarterback. I don't have a problem that they drafted a quarterback of there. I do. My problem was Sean Clifford was the quarterback. Yeah, that was what got me. I would put money we could get we could have gotten that Reed kid at fourth round. Maybe, but I tell you Tucker what, Craft at least fourth round. Two years ago, Reed was getting first round pop, and then all of a sudden, Michigan State had no quarterback to throw him the ball. And then in that's the slot, why Kenneth it could Walker be fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just saying I'm a little higher on that one. I'm definitely higher on the Browns draft than you are, David. I look, I, I well, think it was a solid not. draft. I think it was a solid draft. <laughs> it was not a great draft. They they had they needed to go out and get three techniques. They got zero. They got another one technique. Uh they and a one technique who wasn't really graded very highly in production. Um, I love Cedric Tillman. That's another big body receiver. Steel. Probably Ramey Amari. The Giants yeah. cucked you, by the way, because they were the Browns were so going to take Jalen Hyatt, yeah. the pick before there. Uh, probably. Uh, I I like Dewan Jones, but I think that that's going to be a scary one because coming out of the draft, everyone was like, "Oh, he fell because nobody really knew if he wanted to play football." Well, he's at four hundred pounds, so if he doesn't want to play football, he's probably not going to lose weight and get into NFL shape and be a feasible offensive lineman. So I that one scares me. I just you come out of the draft. That's boomer bust. Now, high yeah. risk, high reward on that one. But you come out of the draft, and now we need to sign a guy like Puna Ford to play D tackle for us. And like, if we don't, we're in a similar position as last year with D tackles. We didn't get better, and that well, we got a little better. We didn't get tremendously better, and that's what really pisses me off. I did like the Isaiah McGuire pick a lot. Where you got him? For the record, it's not a bad pick. Well. We'll leave it at that. That's all I have for you guys uh, in, until uh, next week. Do you guys have any final words? Enjoy the NBA playoffs. You're not going to be able to hear this much, but there's finally parity in the NBA playoffs. We had a one seed get upset by an eight seed. We had a two seed get upset by a seven seed. LeBron is arguably actually fun to watch. I know it's outside looking in. You guys love him. But someone who hates LeBron, this is actually a fun team to watch. I like I like the, I like the Nuggets. Uh, I got my Celtics on here. Jason Tatum over on his rebounds. Joel and beat out. If you're not a basketball fan but like to gamble, like to watch playoff sports, get you get you a little bit some. This Golden State Lakers matchup is going to be fun. Well, yeah, talk about parity. The it was a bad year to be a one yeah. seed for both NBA and, and NHL. And to also play South Florida teams as Miami Heat beat the Milwaukee Bucks the eight over one, and they had the Florida Panthers beating the light uh, the Boston Bruins after the most historic season in NHL history. Yes. It's a, it's just not fair that sunny Miami, Florida gets to have sports that are great, too. They could go to hell. Yeah. Uh, Florida sucks as a state, though. No offense, Bolton and Abbey, but could not Completely agree. catch me dead down there. I, the only way I'd be down there is if I am dead. It's a swamp. That's all it is. <laughs> swamp with swamp people. No offense. <laughs>